Hello, everyone. I'm Jamie DiPolo, Senior Editor at BreastCancer.org. Our podcast guest today is Beth Bauman-Nupree, a board-certified general surgeon specializing in diseases of the breast with additional board certification in integrative medicine. She is also a master-level Reiki practitioner. Dr. Dupree is part of the Sedona Breast Care Clinic of the Northern Arizona Healthcare System. Dr. Dupree earned her medical degree from Hahnemann University in Philadelphia and her undergraduate degree in behavioral neuroscience in the history and philosophy of science at the University of Pittsburgh. Her first book, The Healing Consciousness, A Doctor's Journey to Healing, was released in 2006 to excellent reviews by Christiane Northrup, MD, and Bernie Siegel, MD, among other well-known experts in the women's health field. Her numerous honors include the Clara Barton Humanitarian Award from the American Red Cross for her ongoing contributions to the treatment of breast cancer. She was selected by her peers for Philadelphia Magazine's Top Docs in Surgery in 2016 and 2017. She serves on the advisory board for breastcancer.org and often hosts live chats and podcasts on current breast cancer issues. Dr. Dupree joins us today to talk about Reiki, how she uses it in her practice, and how it can help people diagnosed with breast cancer. Dr. Dupree, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Jamie. Thank you for having me. To start, just in case anyone is not familiar, can you explain to us what Reiki is? Perfect, perfect question, because I get asked that all the time because I didn't know what Reiki was years ago. And I I often joke that the only thing I had Reiki were my leaves in my backyard and I had a very large backyard, so there was a lot of leaves. And Reiki um, actually stands, it comes two words, Reiki, which is higher power um, or life force energy. And so when you put them together, it's really about spiritually guided life force energy. It's not about a religion or a religious practice, it is, about setting that intention of the life force energy coming through a practitioner to the recipient. And it's, um, it's been a lineage that's around for thousands of years. And for a lot of people, um, they will mistake Reiki for healing touch or Reiki for massage because there are a lot of practitioners that practice multiple aspects of Reiki or Reiki in addition to another healing modality. But Reiki itself is a non-touch form of therapy where the life force energy is actually coming through the, um, the Reiki practitioner and they're the conduit. They are not the ones that do it. So it's not the person that's doing the session that the life force is coming from. It's just coming through us. And the form of Reiki that I studied and practiced um, comes from Dr. Mikhail Usui, a, je- a Japanese gentleman who lived in the early in the 1800s and died um, in 1926. And he rediscovered the roots of Reiki, which w- was around way before then. And it was passed on to a um, another healer, a physician in Hawaii. And then it came to the mainland United States in about 1940s. So it's a very long lineage. And so it's passed on from one master to the next to the next. So I, I trained with uh, Nancy Sachs, who was my Reiki master on the East Coast, and she trained me in the lineage from Dr. Yusui. That's helpful. So what happens during a typical Reiki session? What, what should someone expect? So this is an interesting question because I have uh, had individuals say, well, I was in a Reiki, I had Reiki session and I felt nothing. And 
for someone who's walking into a healing session expecting a massage or to be touched or to have some expectation, they may not get out of the session it, what they could get if they can let go of all of the other stuff. And Reiki's really about becoming present and, and letting go of everything else around you. And when a typical session, if someone were to sign up for a Reiki session, um, you'd lay down on a massage table and the practitioner typically will start with their hands um, above the individual's head, which you don't touch their head. Some people do touch with Reiki, but the way I was trained, we, you don't physically touch the person. And that life force energy begins to flow from the practitioner through to the individual. And many times a recipient will say, I felt as though you were touching me. I could feel that energetic field between the practitioner's hands and the mat. As the session progresses, the practitioner will move to or intend the energy to go to part of the individual's body or uh, in their energy centers where it needs to be. And so it doesn't, it's not like a massage where someone would start with massaging your back, massaging your legs, massaging your arms, going to your temples, you know, and I love massages because they're very, very relaxing. It's a wonderful form of energy healing. Uh, but with, with Reiki, most people will describe it as feeling as though they have a sense of peace, a sense of connectedness, um, a well-being. Sometimes they feel lighter because they've let go of things energetically that have been stuck in their energy body. Before we get into how you use Reiki, what led you to become a practitioner? What, what was it about that particular healing process, uh, if that's the correct word for it, correct adjectives for it, um, what, what led you to, to want to actually be trained in it? So I am a surgeon and I was trained that nothing heals like cold steel, which means the scalpel, and to cut is to cure, which means you cut out the cancer, you cure the patient. And I, my surgical training was in Philadelphia at Albert Einstein and I was trained by incredibly wonderful surgeons who helped me to hone my surgical skills, which was a wonderful gift because I can remove cancer, um, return tissue to its normal, to, to looking as normal as possible, um, and do really phenomenal breast cancer surgeries. The problem that happens with surgery is that is the physical manifestation of what we do to a patient to remove the cancer. And I've often said if somebody could create a surgical device that could cut out the fear as I cut out the cancer, then I would really be able to say to a patient, this operation is going to get you to a place where you're healthy, whole, and complete, where you release the fear, where you can let go. And so I think in my years as a surgeon and my recognition that, you know, I wasn't this omnipotent being doing this, this wonderful healing work. I was, a, I was a technician. Like doing surgery was a technical part of the process. What I learned from my friends who were diagnosed with cancer and I had several friends diagnosed with colorectal cancer that was metastatic at diagnosis, who was a doctor. Another one diagnosed with metastatic melanoma um, as a doctor. Another colleague diagnosed with Lou Gehrig's disease as a doctor. Another physician diagnosed with a brain tumor while she was pregnant. And Lauren was really, um, she was the um, 
I would call her my one of my most major catalysts because her diagnosis um, of her brain cancer came up around 1997, 1998, I think it was 1997. And I already was open to understanding that patients needed more than what we were just doing. They needed more than just an operation. And when Lauren was given a pretty grim prognosis with her brain cancer, she started searching because she's a physician. She wanted, she wanted another answer. Like, why, why am I getting this? Why are all these people around us who are doctors? Like, we're the profession. And if our profession isn't able to um, cure our own or be able to help each individual on their path, we're missing something. So Lauren was phenomenal because she started looking out. She did all of her traditional Western medicine. And this is, this is where Reiki is a complementary modality, not an alternative modality. So what she did was surgery, chemo, and radiation for a brain tumor. But in the meantime, someone from her church introduced her to Reiki. And so she told me about it. And being the typical surgeon that I am, instead of going and experiencing a session, I said, well, let's sign up and figure out how to do this. My girlfriend, Amy Harvey, and I, um, and Beth Matlock, my PA, signed up for a Reiki Level 1 course. So I literally walked into this Level 1 course not knowing anything about what it was. All I knew was that my girlfriend had a brain cancer, and for me to be able to walk on her journey with her and actually be present with her, I needed to slow down enough to figure out what was how, what was helping her on the journey. So that first Level 1 Reiki course to me was really transformative to me because I was on call, but I, my phone didn't ring, which was a gut incident. Um, I spent that weekend, you know, at the holistic center at St. Mary medical center in Bucks County, really spending, um, concentrated time really being present in the moment. And as I was learning the techniques, I would go home at night and, uh, my children, my, uh, at the time, my, my youngest was too little to, to figure it out, but my older son, Tom, um, when I was learning to do Reiki, he had no idea what it was whatsoever. So I had him lay out on the floor and started the techniques that I was learning. And, you know, the child's brain, like he has no, it's not like he's Googling anything and he's going online to find out what it's supposed to feel like. And he described the sense of peace and this warmth and this amazing energy that he could feel. And so I thought, wow, there really is something to this. And as the as I progressed through level one, level two, and the master level Reiki, I recognized that what it was doing for me personally was bringing me in the moment, making me present with my patients, making me recognize the fact that that energetic connection that I was able to create with my patients was so powerful. And whether you, you know, call it Reiki or not Reiki, or you don't really turn it on and turn it off. I mean, I don't, uh, some people have asked that, well, like, how do you turn it on? And I was like, well, I don't really turn it on and turn it off. It's being open and allowing that level of energetic connectedness between two human beings flow freely. And so from a, you know, from that very first weekend, I recognized that there was something very powerful in this. Um, a lot of people say, well, couldn't you say it's the power of prayer? Or I, I said, you know, it's a divine, it's a divine force. I, and whatever that divine life force is, it's real. And when you say you don't turn it on and off, would I interpret that as you're almost always doing some sort of Reiki 
with people that you're in contact with? Is that kind of what you mean? Yeah, because I, it's not a, it's not like I, I don't, I'm not a Reiki practitioner who is having a stranger come in and lay on a table and receive a session, which a lot of people do that. There are a lot of practitioners that practice Reiki as a living and, and that's the way that, that they have set up their practice. For me, because every day I have more and more patients that I'm coming in contact who have a breast mass or have cancer or have some other um, medical concern, from my perspective, I, you know, I don't stop and start. It's not like I have to have this conscious moment in my brain, okay, let me do my symbols. Like I'm kind of always in that mode. And it's not that I, um, and it's, it's difficult because I am, it's become so much a part of who I am and how I do what I do because that vital life force that connects two human beings is that energetic bond that, um, there was just a recent study that was in the New York times that showed that, you know, patients who patients did better when they have that compassionate connection with the physician. And it was, I, I read that article. I was like, well, that's no surprise because to me it's that connectedness um, that comes from that intention of healing. And I know it may not sound as specific as you'd like it to be. Um, but it's, it's almost an indescribable relationship now that gets created. And patients will say to me, there's a woman from, um, from, uh, Brimmar who's adorable. Um, she's a longtime patient, a friend. She was part of my world back when I was just starting to use Reiki. And I didn't say to her, Hey, listen, I'm going to use Reiki on you when you go to sleep in the OR. But you know, when my patients are in the operating room before they undergo anesthesia, I mean, I walk in the room with them. I'm with them from the time they get there, you know, Versed or whatever they're getting preoperatively. And when we get positioned in the operating room, I have my hand over their heart and I hold their right hand with my left hand. And, um, at that point, that is that, that's where that Reiki energy is really flowing. You know, I also use guided imagery at that moment because I ask patients, where do you want to go? What's your favorite place on the planet? Because you can't be in fear at the same time as you're in love. And when you get that person to recognize or say where their favorite place on the planet is, they're happy. They're thinking about the beach, the mountains, their backyard. Some people say back at work because that means this cancer journey is over. So it takes them out of the fear mode, brings them into the moment. And that's where what I call the universal life force is really um, flowing. And um, I had one patient wake up after surgery and she said, I had never felt that life force from anyone else besides when she was with her husband during the time that they conceived their child, that she felt this unbelievable energetic connection with me. And she did have Versa. She did have medication that supposedly makes you forget but she recounted the entire experience to me exactly as it happened and um it's funny because we've we've talked about it since then and she's been she has a, 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 on a been on a beautiful healing journey you know working to help patients and coach them through this process because it's not just about curing the physical body it's about healing you know in your spirit and your soul so you can get back to a safe place in your life so from a um you know, from my perspective, the 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 whole process um, is it's just been a fluid forward momentum that 
you know, once it started, it really didn't stop. It sounds like you sort of talked how you use Reiki in your practice. If you, if there's anything else, if you want to tell us that, but then also what, what do you see as the benefits for somebody who's been diagnosed with, with breast cancer or really any kind of cancer to, to have this healing process to go through that process with you? I use it in my practice personally from a, as a clinician, um, before, during, and after breast biopsies, because the patients are wide awake for that. Um, every time a patient goes to sleep in the operating room and in my, um, professional practice, both at Holy Redeemer and here at Northern Arizona, um, my foundation, the healing consciousness foundation provides healing services free of charge to our patients. So patients will receive Reiki, um, at, they can, they can set up an appointment to actually have a session because there are oftentimes a lot of things that come out of a session, um, which is more than just that feeling of the energy. There's a lot of times, a lot of releasing of emotions and letting go of things. I knew when I came to, um, Sedona, even before it was interesting, I, cause I wasn't planning to move out here. Um, last year, it, it kind of just happened. I was, I was really being called to this area. When I came into the cancer center in Sedona and I went back and got to meet um, Dr. Byer, the radiation oncologist, when they gave me the little quick tour, there was a room set up for Reiki, which each of the patients coming for radiation receives Reiki um, free of charge from the NIH Foundation, which is a wonderful gift. And I thought, oh, my gosh, here, uh, this is like, you know, finding my own spaceship where, you know, the other individuals in this organization we're already recognizing the power of Reiki. And, you know, I've asked Dr. Byer about it because he's he's the past president of Astro, brilliant guy, phenomenal radiation oncologist, knows tons about energy. And he actually said to me two weeks ago, is we really need to do a clinical trial on this because I believe that the patients do better who come into radiation therapy having had Reiki up front. And that is a very powerful statement from a traditionally trained Western medical radiation oncology guru who totally gets it. And so using it in our cancer center here in Sedona, um, patients get it for radiation. It's not just breast cancer patients. It's all cancer patients have access to it. And we have many practitioners through my foundation who both on the East Coast and out here in Sedona are open and willing to see patients. And when a patient asks me, well, why, why should I do this? Like, what is the benefit for me? And when I say, you know, it's pretty simple, I can cut out cancer, I can give you chemotherapy to target those cells, I can give you radiation therapy to help prevent cancer from coming back, I can recommend lifestyle modification to help with decreasing your risk, but the only thing that I personally can't do is release the fear that cancer brings, and one of the greatest gifts that I believe that Reiki gives patients is allowing that fear to dissipate. And if that fear dissipates, then you've reached a really wonderful place of healing where I say it's that peace in your heart that passes all understanding. It's that peace in your heart that you've done everything you can to treat a cancer and then you have to let it go. It's like it's the let go and let God moment because if somebody sits in their kitchen waiting for cancer to come back and they're cured physically of their cancer, they're paralyzed in their life. And I've had patients with stage four cancer who have felt unbelievable levels of healing through not just Reiki, but other healing modalities where they recognize that every single day that they're alive on this planet, it's a gift and it's their choice how they choose to live it. So it has been 
a wonderful adjunct to my Western medical training because it's opened my eyes to see how powerful um, integrative medicine and complementary modalities can be to our traditional Western medical treatments, which I prescribe for my patients. I am not an alternative doctor. So that, that is a bottom line, no alternative medicine. It's integrative medicine and it's complementary medicine. And these are modalities that really go hand in hand, Eastern and Western medicine, two very powerful hands coming together. Now, you talked about your colleagues saying you need to do a clinical trial. Um, has research been done on Reiki and its benefits, or is most of it anecdotal from people like you and others who integrate it into their practice? So there were actually two studies, um, one published in 2017 out of Italy, um, and the other one was published in, I had to pull it up, um, and this one came from Brazil. So in the United States, we have not done a ton of clinical trials um, looking at Reiki. And one of the hardest parts for me right now is because I know the tremendous benefit that my patients have, it'd be really hard for me to randomize my patients to not receive it. But to me, a trial, a trial that would have the best efficacy and give us the most data would be a trial done in a center where Reiki has not been used, where the doctors have absolutely no buy-in, where half the patients get it and half of them don't. And that would be a wonderful trial to set up. And I, you know, it's something, it's, it's on my bucket list of things to do in my free time. In the two trials, looking at Reiki and its efficacy, the one trial looked at massage and massage with Reiki and... The, in that trial, the patients that received Reiki and massage showed better benefits than massage alone. And so that's how that trial was randomized, which actually um, was kind of a great trial because patients got something. They got the healing touch. They got the healing component. So it definitely showed a difference between the two. In the uh, trial that was done in Italy, they were basically looking at how Reiki was received or how the response was for patients who were actually open to it. And so they divided them in groups of those who were open and those who weren't. So the group that was open to it had less anxiety, less stress, um, and better overall well-being, which um, it kind of goes along with the fact that if, a, like when I told you how some people have said to me they didn't feel anything with the Reiki, like if you go in and your blinders are up and you have your, you know, if you're hermetically sealed from the rest of the world and you don't want to let anybody in, you're not going to get a benefit because you're not open. And just as Reiki's universal energy that flows through the practitioner, the recipient has to be willing and open to receive. And so that Italian study kind of, you know, nailed it for me that, you know, there are, if you're going to be really closed down and you're not going to be open to healing, I don't know that it matters what modality it is because, you kind of shut off to the rest of the world. And there are some people who absolutely will not get a massage because they don't want to be touched, like, and for whatever reason. So Reiki is a great modality for someone like that where, you know, whether there's a history of abuse or whatever that they just don't want that physical touch. You know, Reiki is amazing because it can also be done remotely. You know, where when I have friends, my friend was just recently in the hospital, um, you know, out in the main line with a heart issue. and you know, I called one of my other friends, Jody, who's an amazing Reiki practitioner. And I said, all right. And I always, I jokingly say, you got to zap him, which you don't zap, but that's kind of like, it's an energetic term. 
and I'll say, you know, you know, this friend of mine needs this, um, energetic connection and this healing and this love. And so we team up together and we send that loving energy and we send that Reiki energy. And so we, you know, I'm in a, I'm in a group with, you know, I don't even know how many are women in the group now. It was like 33 for the past two years where we're doing a, um, a course, uh, where we're once a week, um, it's like a meditation process where we're all really getting focused on not just caring for others, but caring for ourselves and, you know, really looking at the divine feminine energy. And it's not a female versus male. It's the divine feminine energy. And, you know, with that group, when someone is sick, they put it out to the group so that everybody raises that consciousness and that energy around the individual who needs it. And because Reiki is a form of healing that you don't have to touch someone it can be done remotely. Are there any side effects at all? I mean, it sounds so incredibly positive. I, I'm just curious. I have yet to find any side effects that anyone um, complains about or shares, except for the fact that they feel great afterwards. That they want more of it. And, you know, I love when patients recognize, they're like, there's something different about, you know, how you do what you do. And, and I've, I've noticed it with, you know, my staff in the OR out here in Arizona. I mean, they didn't know me from Adam when I showed up. And for the staff to, you know, I have the lights dimmed in the room when the patient comes in. I typically have very soft, um, you know, the, it's ohm, it's the, you know, the sacred sound of ohm kind of playing very low in the background. You can barely hear it. But what it does is it sets the intention for everybody in that room that creates that sacred space in that operating room where everyone recognizes that that person who has trusted us and given their permission for us to care for them. It's a sacred journey and it's a sacred process. And so the patients, and even if, you know, some, you know, in the past, some anesthesiologists have said, I give them verse that they can't remember a thing anyway. And my answer to that is our subconscious knows we just may not be able to recess it often and we may not be able to get there, but how we do what we do in that process of bringing that patient to a safe place has an unbelievable effect, not just on the patient, but also the other individuals in the room because they are all now focused on that person and nobody's bringing their baggage from their personal life into that room because that is the sacred space. And if that sacred space gets disrupted, it's not a fun place to work. That sort of brings me to a question. I'm wondering if there is somebody on the team there now it doesn't sound like you have this uh that maybe isn't receptive to reiki or doesn't think it does anything or even if there's a patient that doesn't think it does anything i'm kind of going back to the study you talked about where people who were not open to it didn't really get much out of it um you know do you try and convince them or do you just say, no, oh, you know, okay, what, what do you say to somebody who thinks, well, you know, this is just a bunch of malarkey? Well, there, there are patients with um, religious beliefs that um, I've had a, a few who've said, I know you, that you do Reiki and I prefer um, not, you know, I don't, I don't want to receive it. And I said, that is absolutely your, you know, that is absolutely your um, decision, your choice, your option but I'm still going to be present with that person. I am still going to hold their hand when they go to sleep, but I make a conscious effort at that point to honor that person's belief system and their values. I, 
you know, I often pray with patients before surgery. Many of my patients will bring their minister and they want to have, they want to pray before surgery. I would never force anyone in my room or my staff to pray with the patient. But if a patient wants to pray before surgery, I don't care what their religious belief is. I'm in it for them. I'm in it to win it. That is, that is, it's their, this is their journey. And I am just part of, you know, the process coming along. So I will honor that. But if someone's never had Reiki and they're open to it, my suggestion is give it a try and see how you feel. And I had a woman and came to the office last week. I think she had her first cancer maybe 20 years ago and she's in her eighties and she's adorable. And this process, she, she had done a, a session with Mary Lou, one of our practitioners on the East coast who I say she's a gift from God, master energy healer. And so the patient said to me, I had no idea that my session over a phone could transform my life. But she said, I came through after that one hour session, she said, I got more out of this one hour session than I ever learned from my entire last cancer experience. She said, I felt like I lost a thousand pounds and I feel like the weight of the world is off my shoulders because she felt like she let go of so many things that she had held on to, you know, and it's, you know, healing is, is that process of letting go of those things that don't serve you because, you know, it's like someone taking poison and expecting somebody else to die. You know, if you're continuing to, to, you know, hold on to things that don't honor you or that, um, that are negative, you're only hurting yourself. You, you got to be able to let, you know, let go and let God. If somebody wanted to try Reiki, how would they go about finding an experienced practitioner? And, uh, you know, I have some other questions about how much does it cost? You know, how, how do you, how do you start the process? So most, um, believe it or not, there are Reiki practitioners everywhere. And I always tell people word of mouth is one of the best ways to find a practitioner, ask someone, you know, ask a circle of friends, say, have any of you heard of Reiki? And if you have, um, do you know a practitioner that's good? Um, obviously Dr. Google is very good. You can go on the internet and, and Google practitioners. Um, I know that our, our practitioners in Philly that we have through the healing consciousness foundation, these are practitioners who we've personally vetted. We know that they're, um, that they carry insurance. We know that they have had a negative background check, you know, all of that stuff's been done. So, all of our practitioners that um, are on any websites that I'm involved with, they're all, they've all been vetted and they're fabulous. Um, I also know that as, as I continue to meet more and more um, women and men on this cancer journey, I get introduced to other practitioners through them. And that's how we build our repertoire of, of really wonderful healers that we work with. But I still think word of mouth is a great way to do it, checking references and you know, checking online, a lot of times you can do a background check, you know, you can do a quick check uh, on the internet just to see how somebody is, but you can always call someone up and talk to them. And it depends what that energetic connection is with that practitioner, you know, how that would feel. And, you know, Reiki, um, I've had practitioners, some practitioners that charge $60 an hour, some that charge $160 an hour. It all depends on who they are, where they are, you know, how long they've been doing it. And um, it's, you know, the money's really the energetic exchange that pays for, you know, that person's gift that they're, you know, being that conduit for the universal energy. Is there some sort of, um, like, I know you're, you're a master level practitioner. Is there some sort of certification or, uh, 
anything that a, a, a person who wants to try it should look for in a practitioner? So there are three levels, level one, level two, and level three. And level three is considered master. And then there's also a master teacher level, which is beyond the level. And I did not have the, you know, I didn't, you know, have the bandwidth to be teaching. You know, I did it. I did it as a um, physician who was on her own journey of healing, learning um, about what I needed to do to heal myself to help others heal. And so from a uh, practical perspective, um, even someone that's a level one practitioner still can perform Reiki and the recipient can receive wonderful results from it. Um, I typically use practitioners who are master level because it means they've committed that amount of time and energy to the mastery of the process. But it doesn't mean if someone's a level one practitioner that they're um, that they're not good. They're just on their journey. Um, so uh, I'm one of my dearest friends, Wendy, who, you know, she was one of our foundation board members. Um, she's not a doctor. She's not a nurse. She's a lay person who got trained in Reiki. And when we bring her to our, like our weekend healing retreats for patients, there's not a person that has a session with her that doesn't say, oh my gosh, that was like the best hour that I've ever spent in my life. And, you know, she didn't go to school for a million years. She did level one, level two, level three. And I think the reason why she's so effective as being a Reiki practitioner is because it comes from her heart. You know, just like when Mary Lou does sessions and Jody and Christy and so many of our practitioners, this is something that um, they didn't go to college and get a degree to become a Reiki practitioner. They became a Reiki, Reiki practitioner because somehow they were positively infected by it and wanted to be able to share that gift back to the world. And a lot of massage therapists are also Reiki practitioners. So that's another good way to look is because once you kind of get involved in the healing, the world of healing practice of, you know, healing modalities, um, there are, you can add on other levels of, um, techniques because not every person needs exactly the same path. Everybody you know, we got to show up where our where our clients are, where our patients are at that time. Now, does insurance cover Reiki at all? Not yet. I wish it did. Um, it would be a wonderful thing if it did. Um, insurance will cover massage, and sometimes there are massage therapists that also have Reiki. So that is something that uh, if someone's insurance covers a massage, you could also look into that because, um, you know, like that one study showed, massage and Reiki was better than massage alone. So to sort of wrap up, what if somebody were interested in trying Reiki, what two, three, four things would you want them to know before going into the session? So for someone who may have an aversion to a touch therapy, um, you can have a Reiki session with absolutely no physical touch. And if that's something that I would, if you're going to have that session with someone, I would absolutely communicate to them because it's not wrong to lay your hands on someone during Reiki. But the way that I was traditionally trained, trained are your hands are away from the individual. You will still feel the energy. You feel the heat, the warmth coming from their hands. But that's something to communicate right away. Um, the next most important thing is to set the intention for the session. Like, what is the intention? Is it just for overall relaxation? Is it for emotional, spiritual being? Is it for the physical healing of um, uh, some medical condition? And um, really you have to be open to receive because universal energy, if it's coming through a practitioner, but you've got your walls up and the, the cinder block wall is there and you're not open to receive, it's going to be hard to get through those walls. 
And uh, I think the final thing is believe that our bodies have this innate ability to heal. And the way that I describe this to patients is as a surgeon, when I make an incision and I remove a cancer, I have to put the edges of the incision back together in multiple layers, the, the, the fat, the subcutaneous tissue, the skin. I put those layers back together, but I don't have to download a program into the patient's brain that says collagen, blood vessels, nerves, um, fibroblasts. You need to come in and go into that incision. You need to go in there on this day and this day and this day. Our body knows how to heal. And when you think about the surgical process, we as surgeons don't tell bodies how to heal. What we do is we put the edges back together. And your body knows how to heal. It knows how to lay down collagen. It knows how to bring those edges back together. So when you think about healing, regardless of whatever the issue is that someone's going to receive Reiki for, our body already knows how to heal. But sometimes we just have to be open to let it start working again. And when we allow that process to work in concert with surgery and chemo and radiation therapy, it is a very, very powerful process because you're basically using all aspects of what we have for the healing process. And releasing that fear and coming out of the cortisol storm does a whole lot for our body's immune system to be able to move forward on that path to healing. Dr. Dupree, thank you so much. I really appreciate your insights. Well, thank you. And thank you for uh, the opportunity. I love it.